Hey guys, it's DJ Jesse Janity, and I want to tell you guys a little bit about TrueCar. TrueCar is changing car buying forever. TrueCar helps car buyers get rid of the fear that they might overpay. Just in the first six months of this year, over 275,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. And TrueCar users save an average of $3,221 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow these three easy steps. First, go to TrueCar.com to find out what others paid for the car you want. Then, register to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. Third step is simple. Just print out your savings certificate and take it to the True Car Certified Dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Some features may not be available in all states, but to see how much you can save on the car you want, simply download the True Car mobile app or visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. into the online broadcast network after buzz tv over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after show entertainment after buzz tv the destination for tv super fans producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite tv shows interviewing celebrities and showrunners and bringing you behind the scenes exclusives all thanks to e entertainment's maria menounos producer kevin undergaro and internet leader akamai now let the buzz begin Hey, Resurrection fans! Welcome back to AfterBuzz TV's after show for Resurrection. We're talking about episode Forsaken. Don't forsake yourselves. Join me here at AfterBuzz TV. And unfortunately, it is just me this week. Uh, Thanksgiving travels, Thanksgiving sickness, you know... Everybody loses their voice a little bit here and there. G. Madison is overseas. We miss him. Melina Avi's also overseas. I don't know what's going on. I got to get in on this uh, out-of-seas ticket because I'm just here in the U.S. Uh, Chelsea Breach, unfortunately, is not feeling well tonight. Send her your wishes at C. Breach on Twitter. C-B-R- C-B-R-I-C-H-E. Uh, hope she feels better, and we will have them back next week. Uh, but let's uh, let's talk about Resurrection. This was this is a good episode. I was legitimately on the edge of my seat for most of it, which I think is something that you can't necessarily say a lot about Resurrection. Usually the episodes sort of build very slowly throughout, and then at the end they punch, they hit you in the face with something big. And that definitely happened here, but I was definitely intrigued and interested throughout this episode. So let's, let's dive into it. Um, we opened up on... Lucille cleaning off the painted, the red painted crosses that we saw a few weeks ago, or before our little mini hiatus here. Um, after what they, and now we know that they call themselves the true living of Arcadia, Ray and Carl and their little a hate group, basically. It is a hate group at the end of the day. Um, they went out and they painted big targets, if you will, on people's doors, letting them know you are not wanted here. We don't like you. And they so they kicked them out. And or they, they don't kick them out, but they, they let the town know that they don't want them there. And it's scary. And what we see at the beginning here with Tom, uh, he's sitting down with this woman and we don't know her story. She's new to us. And she's talking about in fact, kicking out her father-in-law who came back. Her husband 
is dead and has not returned, presumably because he isn't wasn't born in Arcadia, perhaps. Um, which would be confusing. Either way, her husband is not there. Her father-in-law is. And what do you do with that person when there are people out there trying to hurt the returned and their loved ones, basically? Uh, Her kids are scared. Somebody painted a hate symbol on their front door. How do you explain that to a little kid? It's a scary thought. But at the same time, how can you just send – there's people out there trying to hurt these people, and this is maybe not your blood relative, but a loved one, and you've effectively cast him aside to what? To protect yourselves? You've put him in harm's way to protect yourself. It's a very selfish thing to do, but for a mother, there is a certain amount of sympathy that you sort of have to give her right now, and you can hear me arguing with myself right now as I give you both sides. You can Uh, talk to me if that makes you feel any better, I can. Sean, what would you do? In this situation, you you're you 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 don't watch Resurrection, so you're you're very much out of context here. I um, am, <laughs> but somebody. But let's break it down to its bare essential. There's somebody because it's actually it's great that you don't watch it because that'll give you an outside perspective. Somebody uh, hates someone that lives in your family for a totally ridiculous reason, whether it be race, religion, anything like that. They don't hate you, but they hate your loved one. It's scaring your kids, but that person is putting you at risk. Do you send them out of your home, even knowing that they don't really have anywhere else to go? I think I would send them out. You know, it could go one of two ways. I, I would say you could send them out, or you could maybe have a conversation with them and give them an ultimatum. Hey, you got if you're staying in my place, you have nowhere else to go, you got to put up with my rules. And my rules are you don't. You don't act, I, I guess, in, you don't prejudice my family or... Well, no, but here's the thing. Yeah. Is the, the person, like, this woman's father-in-law, he came back to life. He's a returned. He's living in their house. It's just who he is. Oh, okay. They're... So he's putting them in danger because he's a returned. Yes. And other people want to hurt him, but then because you're letting him stay there, they could hurt you too. Exactly. Ah, it's just if like, they're my loved one, man, I'm going to have them stay in the house. Yeah, and I think for the most part, most people in Arcadia are, are doing that. They feel the same way. But this is a, a tricky situation because he's not quite her loved one. Her, her husband, who's dead, this is his father. So they're not related, but they are family. And I think Tom makes that a plea to them to plead to her. But at the end of the day, she just says, no, you have to leave. Um, and uh, she's, she's not the only one. A lot of people in town enough that Mark, or Mark, uh, Tom effectively had to set up a, a little mini homeless shelter in, in the church of the returned because there's nowhere else for them to go. They don't want to go to the government. Like my first thought was, Oh, they can go to the government. We've seen that they're not, it's not that bad, at least for the children that we've seen there. But we know that there are a lot of sick returned, so that there's a little bit of fear that they might get sick if they go there. It's a tough call. What do you do? You've effectively made these people homeless through fear-mongering. Uh, it's a tough call. And so uh, dealing with the, the, bur- the, the painted crosses and everything, we have Fred, uh, with Fred and Marty effectively on the case trying to figure out who is – Who's behind it? Why are they behind it? What is their what? What is the next step of their escalation? Because this is just the first step. 
marking their doors is just basically paint some, giving someone a target to then do further harm. So Marty goes and he's talking to a coffee to a coffee shop owner about you should uh, help. Can you help us? Like you have security camera footage, and the guy maybe he's lying. I, I think he might have been. Is basically saying you. I don't want to help you because that would only target me more. It would send people back to my doorstep to hurt me more if I help you. And Agent Bellamy's got a very good. He, it's a tough situation. It, everything is a tough situation when you're dealing with dealing with a hate group like this. It's effectively like having the KKK running around or having Nazis running around. They hate it like for no reason, for no discernible reason except for fear. And so you have to respond to that. So knowing that uh, Fred goes out and he's just digging and digging, and they find out that the the group is calling themselves now the True Living of Arcadia. Uh, and that, and their leader is this guy Joey Nolan, who Fred knows. Uh, he so he goes like a small town, so of course he knows him. He goes and he confronts him, and oh, what a standoff! He he go, tells him like, oh yeah, I knew. I talked to your dad and your PE coach. You know, you you marked up your old PE coach's door. That you you drew a uh, upside down red cross on your old PE coach's front door. And you know, he told me some stuff about like how you didn't have hit puberty real early because of that whole missing testicle thing. You think a guy with missing would have some sack to stand up and not be a hateful uh, bastard? Calls him out. And then Bellamy just keeps it going. He just picks up, and he's. This is where he uh, Bellamy is confronted with a huge string of difficulty because earlier in the episode, Tom confronted him. Should he come out as a returned? And it's a reasonable question. Can if you're dealing with a town that is half divide that is divided, one half hates the returned, one half loves the returned, or is the returned? If you're in charge of policing that state. You're in charge of keeping order. Can you successfully maintain that order if you are one of the returned? If half the town hates you, how can you take control? How can you maintain control over everybody? And I think that ultimately he makes the decision rashly. Um, it might have been better to not drop it so hastily in this moment because he's mad at this guy. He's pissed. Bellamy is pissed off, and he slams him down. The the quote, you'd think someone with one stone would have the sack to say it to my face when he finally drops him on. Yeah, you think I look different? I look different to you? Do I? And at this point, like because this is it's a white guy in the South, we're seeing a, a black white thing, and I think that that's what he must be thinking. What Joey Nolan must be thinking it's about at that point. Until Bellamy drops that he is a returned, and everybody freezes. Even you can see Fred's face just freeze. What? <laughs> Hero you he gets like a Scooby Doo look on his face. It's so interesting how they're mixing a lot of uh, old metaphors in here with this with this show, and well, not metaphors, but old prejudicial stuff in with the metaphor of the returned. It's like a new race to have prejudice against. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's something that a lot of shows are dealing with as as we in society deal with certain things like gay marriage and hatred of gays it, 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 hate never is never a topic that goes away 
There's always some group that people are hating on. And we're always, as a society, moving forward to hate less. And I, I think that this show is one of the things that's great about Resurrection is its ability to call that stuff out and put it in your face and show you by using what this guy what feels like this guy thinking that it's about race, about black versus white, it shows him how ridiculous this kind of hate is, this indiscriminate hatred, because these people haven't done anything to him. Caleb did, but that was one guy. There's one guy out of all of these returned that did any kind of harm, just like he would have done, just like he did when he was alive. So throwing that in his face, the absurdity of an old prejudice that were passed and putting it right up against the new prejudice towards the returned is a great sim is a I don't know symbolism not really sim- uh, I don't, a parallel sim- let's a parallel, call it yeah. a parallel a simile parallel it's a great parallel um it just it shows what it, it's a great getting that across um I wrote down in my notes just like Bellamy drop the mic as he walk and he like walks away from the scene leaving everyone just not sure what to do from there um but so then uh elsewhere in this episode meanwhile um we have ray who was a big member of the true living of arcadia uh in the hospital the first non-returned to get sick uh, and that's a big deal. My, uh, I, I'm still, I'm still partially operating under the assumption that somehow he was a returned. Um, it could have, it could in theory have been when he was younger, similar to Bellamy. But I think that they, just based on his little speech at the end uh, of his little arc in this episode, I think that it's safe to say that he's not, um, at least as far as he knows. Um, because we get there, Maggie and Elaine having a little heart to heart and about, a big part of this episode was Elaine's struggle to deal with the fact that she's had to take care of Ray his whole life. Uh, it, it's a tough situation when you're put into that mindset where this is a per- – she was a, a just a young girl who was forced to take care of her brother. To ha- she had somebody who relied on her night and day, 24-7. She couldn't leave him. She drops it she, to, when she's talking to Fred. She didn't go to art school. She was good. She was ready to go to art school. She could have gotten in. She could have had a wholly different life, but she couldn't because she had to take care of Ray. Uh, and that's that's it's a tough situation. I can't even imagine what that would be like to have somebody truly depend on you. They could not function. He would die if she left him alone. And so she's, of course, she's freaking out because now he's sick and she has to take care of him all over again. She's just starting to get on her feet, living on her own. She's got her job. She's just like she's making it day by day, and she's getting into a point where she might be able to think about the future, maybe. Maybe she can see a point now where she could think about the future and Ray gets sick again. And she loses it. I, I really liked when she talks about the fact that he tried to raise chickens in the kitchen one time. Like that is if that's a good idea. And it makes sense if in a in a like a small kid's sort of way, and Ray is mentally very much a small child. You you use chicken in the kitchen, you make chicken in the kitchen, you make eggs in the kitchen, keep chickens in the kitchen. Um but that is she, so unsanitary. Yes, very unsanitary. And as Lane says, when he does that, she has to clean it up because he doesn't 
it's like having a kid, a 30-year-old kid, because he just doesn't know any better. He tries to know better. He wants to know better, but he just doesn't. He's He has... He is mentally handicapped, and that's a struggle for everyone in his life. Um, but what's scary in this episode, and it's sort of like Ray has been a little bit more cognizant this season than he was last. If he drops the bomb as Maggie's giving him the stem cells from uh, Rachel, which I will get into in just a little bit. Uh, if I die, tell Elaine, don't trust me. It won't be me. He even as he's about to die, he says, if he comes back, he doesn't want anyone to trust him because he thinks that whatever the returned are, they're not human. And it raises such an interesting point. Like, I'm very curious if he does die. And I almost want him to die and come back now because it's just the ramifications. I'd be interested to see not only how he would react coming back, probably feeling exactly the same way, being having this cause like i want to go out and get rid of the return but being one himself but also what does that do to the community at a a large what does it do to the the true living of arcadia do they accept him back in do they fear him he wants to help them but he is the enemy in a way so what does that happen i'd be very curious to see what would happen if that comes about and it just raises the point that I've thought about more and more on this show. And it's getting admittedly a little bit hard to see where they're going. It's been a struggle. Last season, we sort of, we had all these crazy theories. We were thrown out about aliens or alternate Earths or like where are these people coming from? Are they pod people? And none of those feels right. It feels more spiritual and re- religious, for lack of a better word. Um, than that but i am struggling with the fact that it feels now like we're not going to get answers we're not building towards answers we're not getting any closer towards answers and this show needs to give us answers i don't think they've said it publicly that they're not going to tell us why they came back or where they come from or what's behind it all but I hope that they do eventually. And I get that that could be a series finale thing in like however many seasons, season five, season six, reveal. But I want to know that they know. I, w- I wish that they could give us something to, to know that they know where this is going and what is going on. The Leftovers is a natural comparison to this show. It's sort of the antithesis of Resurrection where everybody goes away instead of coming back. And they've said straight up, The Leftovers is not about answers. It's about the reaction to the situation. And that's fine because there's only one event. And it's all just reactions to one event. But when you keep having people coming back, when you keep having new characters introduced, new returned coming in, having agendas, and it's changing, the the supernatural element of it is evolving as we go forward, I need answers or at least hints of answers, something that I can debate on and can and we can talk about here on podcasts like this. I need something more. So I hope that down the line we will get those answers. And that's my little rant for this week. And I hope the showrunners, writers hear this podcast on <laughs> iTunes or on YouTube and that they're able to take your advice, Zach. Yeah, I know. And I, I should talk about iTunes and YouTube. Thank you for the smooth transition there, Sean. Um, uh, guys, 
Thank you so much for tuning in every week here at AfterBuzz. We strive to give you the best resurrection podcast, the best podcast network that we possibly can, because there are so many things that you could be doing with your time, but you choose to come here and listen to us babble on and just talk it and talk nonsense about television every week. And it means the world to us. The fact that you guys tune in after buzz does these guys do over 80 shows a week, 80, 80 hours of content that they provide to you for free for free. That's huge. That is no small feat. And the best way that you can help us out here at AfterBuzz is to go onto iTunes and hit us with a review. Because not only does it help us out, helps keep the lights on, helps keep AfterBuzz searchable and findable for new listeners, but also helps sponsors find the network. It helps guests find the network so they can come on our shows. It helps keep everything on board. And it also just makes a difference towards helping people find our show. Every, all of it. All of it. I got a little off track there. But... Thank you guys so much for, for tuning in. And it helps us make this the best podcast that it can be. After Buzz. After Buzz. After Buzz. That's right. And I also want to uh, give a little shout out to some of our some of our YouTube commenters. We don't usually talk about you guys because there's a lot of you. And iTunes, we, we, try to, we like to get you guys on iTunes and we shout you guys out. But this week, we have a little extra time since I'm alone today. And we're going to, except for show my fantastic engineer sean of course um but i want to give some shout outs to some people who uh commented a few weeks ago on uh, the, our last episode uh lola larissi says i miss the beard zach uh, if you're watching at home you can see that i very much have the beard back uh if you don't if you weren't watching a few weeks ago i very much had lost my beard uh for various reasons i won't get into but i was beardless for the first time in years it was uncomfortable it was weird uh, and I also had a comment. Let's see. Your beard is back in full force. It's looking oh, very full. Oh, yes. Very nice, Very Zach. much. Uh, PTL2007 said, where's the real Zach Wilson? Who's this 12-year-old looking return version of Zach hosting this show? Um, don't worry. The real one's back. I kicked that guy out. I outgrew him, if you will. <laughs> um but uh, and so Hun- and some other people, Honey J, I totally agree. That episode made me realize that Janine, not, that Janine only cares about the baby. I'm starting to see she wants the baby for herself, not inc- and to not include Rachel. Before she thought that she only that Janine only cared about Rachel, but now, la- the, speaking about last time, last week, a uh, few weeks ago's episode, uh, made me think to look at it totally different. And after this week's episode, it got even crazier, and that's even more apparent than ever, that Janine is off the rocker. There's something wrong, and she's she's lost it. She has lost her mind. Um, uh, Ron Simpkins, thank you so much for commenting. Cherry Odette, I'm just going to read you off your guys' names to thank you, but before I jump back in, uh, Dana Isaac, Cherry, uh, I already said Cherry Odette, um, Mac HD, uh, Solitaire 401, Jennifer Provenzano, uh, Little Mar 22, Marima Troposia. Thank you guys all so much for listening, and I hope that you continue to listen in the future. Uh, let's, let's talk about Janine, though, because Janine and Rachel and Tom, this little love triangle, this bizarre little love triangle where he lost his fiance when she was pregnant. And then he gets married when she's dead, and then she comes back to life. She's still having his baby. He never cheated. He's married, but his uh, former fiance is having his baby, but he's married. It's very complicated, and he didn't do anything wrong. Nobody did anything wrong. 
And so no, there's no one to blame. It's just a crazy situation. But Janine in this episode, we get full confirmation that she is not being helpful. She thinks in her mind that Rachel was sent Janine, who cannot have children. She's barren. Um, thinks that she that Rachel was sent back by God to give her a baby that she can't have herself. That is her husband's child without him having an affair, and that she will then raise it as her own. She thinks that Rachel will give birth and then disappear, much like Barbara did, uh, much like Mikey did, and she's out of her mind. Um, I think that that absolutely is a Rachel could ha- it. If events of this episode had not happened, that could have been where we were headed. Um, but I don't think that that is what's. I mean, now we know what's after what happened to Tom at the end of the episode. But so let's let's start, let's go through this uh, this storyline. Um, Maggie goes to do some has a theory basically on why Rachel got better, and that is based around the fact that Rachel. The only difference between Rachel and everyone else is that she's pregnant. So fetal stem cells, a very powerful scientific uh, bi- like biological function uh, in terms of healing, and there's done a lot of research towards cancer cures and stuff like that. She thinks that the stem cells, the ambionic, the fetal stem cells, the ambionic stem cells, could be the cure, could be the the key to uh, to curing everyone's who's sick with the virus. And it's a great thought; it makes a ton of sense. The only thing they have to do is take out some amniotic fluid to get it to get at those stem cells and it's a a basic amnio procedure outpatient and there's there's a little bit of risk as there is with any kind of surgery like that but it's minimal and rachel instantly decides yes if i can help other if i can save lives not just raise life but many lives because there are a lot of other people sick with the virus if she can save them then of course she's going to take the small risk to herself and to her child to save them. Um, we know that the return tend to have been have gotten better with the exception of the virus fairly easily. So it makes sense that she would go through this. Um, but when Janine finds out, she acts like she was the one getting the super. She's like a mom who just found out that she, that she has to go through a procedure where her baby might be, get miscarried. She's acting as if it's her and it's scary when Mark, when uh, Tom later finds the journal, when he finds that journal, he's flipping through. They're they're gonna do this to my baby. She's referring to it as her baby. That's the talk of an insane person. Bottom line, um, she's uncomfortable when Tom suggests a name because of. Rachel and Tom had this great, uh, cute little back and forth in the car where they're talking about what should we name it? Oh, not Teddy. Remember, I dated a Teddy. Yeah, I hated that guy. Rachel's got the little toy lamb for her kid. This We can see that these two have a great bond. They have a great chemistry, whereas Tom and Janine feels like a very functional chemistry. They came together out of they they found themselves almost through work like you would have like a work wife but they just took it home with them don't take your work home with you it's not good um so but when tom uh, when uh, tom suggests nathaniel which was rachel's idea to name the baby janine sort of freezes not sure what to say she didn't like that name but it's it's not really her place it shouldn't be and i think she knows that 
But at this point, she sees what's going to happen. She sees that this is out of her control, and she wants to take control. So that's when she basically kidnaps Rachel. Tells him, Tom says we have to go stay at my sister's house. Tom says we're going to do this without. I don't know if I'm Rachel. I'm like this. Maybe Rachel. She died a few years ago. Maybe she's not quite used to having cell phones around. But it'd be pretty easy. Just pick up your cell phone. Be like, hey, Tom, uh, we're going to go stay at Janine's sister's house. Is that cool with you? I just wanted to double check since I'm only hearing this through word of mouth in a time where no one's really to be trusted. And it's, it's just a quick phone call or a text, even a text. Hey, Tom, heading over to Janine's sister's. I'll see you there later. Uh, um, all that solves the whole thing really quick. Um, but, of course... N- as we build forward, Tom figures all this out, figures figures out what's going on when he get, when Rachel calls him, when he finally gets in touch, and demands that Janine bring him back. She's just straight up lying at this point to her husband, of all people. Like, this is pretty dark stuff. And Tom is conflicted at that point because he hears about, um, the for Marty, that the potential that the 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 true living of arcadia might attack again they might go after the returned so at this point he has a very tough decision does he go and help the people who desperately need his help this big group or does he go to help his former fiance who is in danger from his wife it's it's a tough situation um it nerdily reminds me of Spider-Man having to choose between Gwen Stacy and the school bus full of kids which do you choose and he he goes for the luckily for him at this point is it's not really a life or death situation so he goes to get the uh the the return he goes to check on them make sure that everything's okay he meets marty over there and once he gets there everything seems fine he's going to go get Rachel and from from Jeannie's place and when he talks to her he drops the reason that he thinks Janine is going nuts and it's because she knows that he's in love with Rachel. And we're, everyone, you can hear the collective audience go, aww. Uh, I can see it being queued up. Aww. See, that was what the audience, that was what the audience felt like. Um, and he, it, of course he is. Of course he is. Rachel, he fell in love with Rachel out of the, just the course of events of his life. He fell in love with her. That was it. She was the love of his life. He was going to marry her. But she died, had uh, depression, killed herself. It was a terrible, terrible thing. And he tried to move on. He did as much as he could, and he found Janine. It was sort of like she was the best he could do, like the the best he could find. It seemed probably seemed right. They probably seemed like they were hitting it off. But Rachel connects him to him in such a way that no other person will. Uh, the best term for it is soulmate. They are soulmates. Whereas he and Janine sort of fit together. Um, And now that Rachel's back, he's in a tough situation where, as he says, he wanted to be a good husband. He wanted to be, do the right thing, whatever that was. And he didn't know what that was. And it's tough when you're married and this random thing comes back. This thing that can only happen on television comes into his life. Um, But now he's admit, like he knows what he needs to do. And the fact that Janine would go behind his back would endanger Rachel and his baby. I think that's his final straw of like, no, 
I need to give in to my feelings and just leave Janine and be with Rachel. For better or for worse, that's what he wants, and it's going to destroy his marriage one way or the other. So why not just embrace it, be done with it? Janine's going to get hurt no matter what. This baby might as well have a happy family around it going forward with its life. Whatever it's going to be, because there's whatever happens with this baby, it's going to be nuts. This baby that's developing super rapidly, so it'll probably grow really rapidly. Maybe by season three, we've already got like a six-year-old running around. Who knows? Um, but then, the, right as we think that Tom has made all the right decisions, he's doing the right thing. He go. He's the the church is attacked. Somebody throws tear gas through the windows. Everyone's running out. Get out. Tom's trapped. He's trying to break down the front door so he can so he can get out and just he's choking on the tear gas. And then there comes Carl, who threw the tear gas and slams into him. And everyone just freezes. I know I did. I just Exactly. I think I probably shouted in the room. I was like, oh no! Because right and of course it's going to happen it was right at the peak of his like i figured it all out i know what i'm going to do now everything's going to be all right that's when a car comes along and hits you in the face um i don't know if he's dead though it the shots sort of implied it where we like see his limp hand sort of go over to and we see a blood puddle under him um there's always a chance until they declare it and until I declare it, I don't know that I would call him dead. But here's the bigger question, because it's resurrection. It's not a normal show. He died. Does he come back as a returned? He might be dead. He might not be dead. He might now be undead. Very confusing. But so it remains to be seen. We didn't really see anything of it in the previews, um, but we'll get into that later. But will he come back? And I'll I'll discuss more in predictions. Um but before we get to that, let's talk about our other big storyline. Because that's where we left off the episode. But there's still tons more in this chock-full episode. Um, but real quick, let's talk about uh, Mama Langston and Henry and the deal. I don't know where this storyline's going anymore. <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, we know last time she found the photo of William Kirk, um, the, the grandpa who died in, in the fire all those years ago that uh margaret saw she knew his face um and she's digging through old photos with jacob we know that she's just trying to confirm who this person is and try to put all the pieces in play and when she figures it out she goes back and is basically just she tries to head off the revenge plan of the past basically just saying i don't think you should have a revenge revenge uh is not a great idea she tries to pretend that, oh, there were such terrible rumors about the Langston, but I was just a girl. You can't – I mean, who knows what really happened? She knows. She knows what happened. That's the end of the – she knows all of it because she was a part of it. Um, she's evil, bottom line. Great actress, great character, making the show worlds better, but she is evil. Um, so at this point, she she tells him – kill the deal she wants she knows that there is something in place to ruin them a plan afoot to destroy the langston family and she doesn't want it to happen so she tells him to kill a deal of course when henry gets the call 
about from the bank that the deal has been canceled, he's devastated. He doesn't know what to do. So he he refuses to to give in. He refuses to say I'm done like he refused to be done with it, to leave it there. So he goes and he demands to know why the deal was canceled. And at this point he gives this great speech, fantastic little speech about it's about how rebuilding this factory is about revitalizing the greatness of American business. And it's this moving speech worthy of the most uh middle class favoring politician um like get america back to work sounds like something from the 50s or 60s television commercial <laughs> it's almost like he's a man born in another time um but he's he does he wants to it's like we need to make things this this culture of just this disposable culture where we just throw out everything we need to make good handmade furniture which i don't disagree with uh we throw things out all the time, because when you make them out of corkboard, they don't last very long. Um, but so he gives a speech, and then Grandpa Will comes out of the back and just he basically decides in that moment to lay it on the line. Um, he's he I'm Gra- I'm his grandfather. I'm a returned. We don't publicize it because look at what else is happening in town. But he tells he tells his, his grandson. You need to back this guy. You need to work with this man. But here's my big question is, is he moved by Henry's speech? Does he legitimately think that this is a different Langston? And we know that it is. We know that Henry is not an evil man. He had, he has his misgivings. He does. He, he went into a vast depression after he lost his son. Um, let the, the factory crumble because of that. But... He does seem to be on the right path. He has the right desires, the right reasons for reopening this factory. Nothing evil about it. But is does Grandpa have an ulterior motive here? Or does he want to – or is he legitimately seeing this is a positive business decision? It could go either way. I don't trust him. <laughs> Sean doesn't trust him. Because he was the bad guy in RoboCop. Was he? Yeah, he played Sinclair in the original RoboCop. The guy who played Red Foreman? No, 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 no. Oh, is he's, that who we're talking he's Henry. about? He's Henry. He's good, Henry? He's our oh, good he's guy. Good. He's good. No, 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 but I was just saying, he's the one who gave the speech, right? He gave the nice speech, but yeah. he, we trust him. I know, I was just joking. <laughs> I mean, usually I do carry prejudices over. It's part of why I like Margaret so much, because she's Catelyn Stark from Game of Thrones. Uh, I want her to be good, but she's just so good at being evil. Um but no, I, it's Grandpa Will that we don't trust, uh, the 25-year-old Grandpa Will. Um, but yeah, I, he's got more on his plate. The question is whether he's going to screw Henry over or not, and he's definitely in a position to because when Henry – when the bank says that uh, Mr. Addison is totally good, he's got everything in place, but Henry doesn't have the collateral to make up all hundreds of thousands of dollars for a bank loan. He doesn't, the land isn't worth as much as he thinks it is. The bottom line becomes he has to mortgage his home. He has to remortgage his home in order to make this deal. And now if it goes south, Henry stands to lose everything. And so if Grandpa Will screws over this deal, screws over Henry, he is going to lose his house. He potentially could lose his family 
to this. It could be. I mean, what happens when you lose everything? His his mom is not going to be happy with that. And I imagine his wife isn't either. Lucille's probably going to be very pissed when he find when she finds out that he went through with this. She I don't think she she didn't really want this deal to start. She didn't really want to go through with this and to put everything at risk for a deal like this is dangerous. It's very very risky, especially in this economy. Um, in this economy. Um, I'm not going to go on a political rant. <laughs> uh, don't worry. You don't have to worry about that ever for me. But so that's basically that's the episode uh, in a nutshell. Lots of stuff to look forward to. Let's Sean, let's go into predictions real quick. And now you're after Buzz TV. Predictions. So, guys, next week, we actually come back next week, not in a few weeks. Um I'm not sure what we're looking forward to exactly. There's a lot at stake here. Um, what's going to happen when, when it's discovered that Tom was killed? What's going to happen with this deal going through? I think Mama Langston's going to be pissed. I What's gonna, the fallout from Marty uh, coming out? I think the town is potentially going to turn on him. Uh, I think that there will be some... Uh, it's either going to be that the uh, the true living of Arcadia are going to back down in the wake of hurting Tom, or this is going, or more likely, this is going to be a rallying point of where the town truly becomes divided. It becomes truly polarized between the returned and the people who support the returned, and the people who just want to kill them, just want them gone from Arcadia, and. A violence can't be far around the corner. We're coming up to a mid-season hiatus over the Christmas break, so there's probably going to be a big point. I, maybe not as big as a character dying, um, for now at least, with Tom, but who knows where we're going. When Mark Hildreth joined us a few weeks ago, he did say that at a certain point, this show is going to take a huge left turn and never be the same again. I wonder if his death is that point. It remains to be seen. Lots of things are up in the air. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys are. Thank you so much for joining me tonight on uh, here at AfterBuzz TV. Thank you all. Thanks to all of you for listening. Um, thank you, Sean, for uh, joining me today. Very welcome, Jack, and joining in when uh, when needed, um, and for the wonderful sound effects, and for keeping my levels nice. Um, Guys, if you want to keep up with me throughout the week, you can follow me on Twitter at ThatZachWilson, T-H-A-T-Z-A-C-H-W-I-L-S-O-N. And also here after us, i got a whole long list of shows. Uh, Sleepy Hollow, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Grimm, uh, Doctor Who Classics comes back this week on Wednesday. Helix comes back in January. Uh, guys, I'm Zach Wilson, and thanks for geeking out with me. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.